Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 160. Today, I am so excited to share this story of Jess Ekstrom on how you can make a profit and an impact. Today, we're talking to the founder and CEO of Headbands of Hope, a company she started as a junior in college back in 2012. For every headband sold, a headband is given to a child with cancer. This company has been featured on the Today Show, Vanity Fair, 17, Good Morning America, and People Magazine. These headbands have been worn and supported by celebrities such as Lauren Conrad, Leah Michelle, and so many more. But most importantly, they've donated over 200,000 headbands to every children's hospital in the United States and 15 other countries. Jess was named the Women's Health Magazine Ultimate Game Changer in 2017. How amazing is this? In this episode, you're going to find out that you shouldn't have to choose between making a living and making a difference. Jess is passionate about helping others find those collision points and live a more purposeful life while also keeping it real. Gold Diggers, without further ado, here is Jess Ekstrom. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. So excited to be sponsored by the Great Women of Business podcast today. To tune on in, head to parcast.com. That's P-A-R-C-A-S-T dot com. Welcome to the show, Jess. I'm so, so excited to talk to you today. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, girl. Welcome to the Gold Digger Podcast. We at first off, I mean, we have the most amazing listeners ever, but second off, I am so excited because this podcast gives me the potential to talk to people like you. So can we Aww. kick this off and and explain who is Jess? 
Like, who are you? How is your path unfolded? And what do you do today? Yeah. So my name is Jess Ekstrom, and I am the founder of a company called Headbands of Hope. For every headband sold, we donate a headband to a child with cancer. And I started this business literally out of my dorm room in college. (laughs) And I was interning for Make-A-Wish, and I saw a lot of kids who were losing their hair to chemotherapy, and they'd be offered a wig or they'd be given a hat. And a lot of them weren't really concerned with covering up their heads. They wanted something that could restore their self-confidence after hair loss. And so I saw so many kids wearing headbands, but no one was providing that. And I realized that maybe I could be that change. I could be the one to give them all headbands. So that was around six years ago, which is just crazy to think (laughs) that we donated our first headband. And now we've donated headbands to every single children's hospital in America in 15 countries. That is insane. Oh my gosh. So did you know, well, you probably didn't know this because you you don't know my mom, but my mom is a wish granter for Make-A-Wish. Oh, Uh, really? It's so cool. I mean, she's so passionate about it, but my mom is like Mother Teresa and she listens to this show. So hey, mom. (laughs) Hey, mom. Yeah, Make-A-Wish was amazing. It was actually one girl that really pushed me towards this idea. Her name was Renee. She was four years old and her wish was to go to Disney World to meet Sleeping Beauty. She was obsessed with all things Sleeping Beauty and knew that's what she wanted her wish to be. And it was about a week before she was supposed to go on her wish that unfortunately her cancer took a bad turn. She had a brain tumor and they thought they had it under control and she had rejected all the treatments that they had been trying. And so she couldn't go to Disney World. And so I was just devastated for her and her family because they, I mean, this is something that they, this is the light in their life, you know, mm-hmm. make a wish, you look forward to that moment. So I actually went to a costume shop and got a Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. outfit and went to her house dressed as Sleeping Beauty and spent the whole day with her and her family in character. And it was really that moment where I just felt so connected to what I was doing and it kind of, it pushed away a lot of those fears that I had about this business idea for Headbands of Hope and just knew that it was it was going to be worth it. So that was really the moment that I just went for it. Oh my gosh. So you're 19 years old. You're in college. Yeah. What were you pursuing in college? I'm just curious. Yeah. So I was studying communications with a minor in Spanish. Don't test me on the Spanish (laughs) part, but I like couldn't even spell entrepreneur, like still can't spell it. Who am I kidding? (laughs) But yeah, I had really no idea what I was doing. I remember I went to meet with a graphic design student to help me build a logo. I went to the business school and was like, what is taxes? (laughs) Like, how do I, you know, make a business plan? I remember I didn't know how to make a website. So I met with a computer design student every day for lunch and paid her in Chipotle burritos. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. (laughs) Burrito strapping my business in the most literal sense. Yeah. (laughs) So that was the beginning. So paint the picture because I mean, most of us are listening and we're like, uh, when I was in college, I was lucky to get to class. Yeah, <laughs> I was hanging I out with friends. Like, what did this look like from the moment you had the idea all the way through to like where you are today? Yeah, I was not this like grade A 
student who was just overachieving. It was not, that was my sister. (laughs) That was not me. (laughs) And it was really just came from a place of like reactionary problem solving. It wasn't like, oh, I have this grand business idea that's going to, you know, explode. It was, oh, I see a problem. No one's fixing this. So I'll fix it. And it just happened to be a business solution. But I think, you know, looking at where we're at now, we've had a lot of wins, a lot of great moments, but I like to be transparent about the the beginning parts because I, I think that if we can understand that some of these hiccups and these speed bumps that we experience are just a part of the process. Like it's not a reflection on you or the universe telling you you're not good enough, then maybe that'll be, you know, something that people can turn to, to keep going. So it definitely was not, you know, fire right out of the gate. My first order was from my mom. (laughs) I was like, mom, stop. And I remember even before that, the first thing that happened was after I got my website and, you know, started working with all these different areas at the university, the last thing I needed was to actually have the product. I needed a headband. So I started to look up factories that made elastic because I was like, okay, if they can make elastic, they can probably make a headband. That was the top of my genius. (laughs) I love you for it. I was like, all right, I'm on it. So of course I went to Google and was just looking up all these factories that manufactured elastic, sending email after email, calling, just hoping that someone would just take a chance on me. You know, I know that I'm young. I know I have no idea what I'm doing, but just believe in this idea. So finally, I got a call back from this factory in Kansas who loved the idea, wanted to work with me, would guide me through the process. We talked for about two months, sending samples back and forth, giving her feedback. So finally, I had the product that I was like, okay, we can start with this. And so she sent me over the invoice to start production. And it was for $10,000. And I was like, probably should have asked this before. (laughs) Um, Should have figured this one out. And but you know, it was one of those things I'm sure you felt like, you don't want to seem too naive, Mm -hmm. you don't want to like, ask what the pricing is, because I just wasn't, I didn't want to seem like I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't want to you know, be taken aback by $10,000. I was like, oh, this is probably just what it is. And I didn't know that. So I went to my dad, who's also an entrepreneur and asked him for advice. I was like, should I go get a loan from the bank and pay interest on that? Should I go get an investor and give away a portion of my company? And he, you know, being the great man that he is, offered to loan me $10,000. He didn't want me to, you know, give up any equity at that point and just pay him back as the business starts to make money, which was a huge gesture. It wasn't like that was, you know, pocket change for anyone in our family at the time. So I was so appreciative. I ran to the bank. It was a Friday afternoon. And I remember I thinking, I want to get them this money quickly so they see how serious I am, like that I'm on my game. And I ran into Wells Fargo, wired her $10,000, and I never heard from her again. (gasps) No. Seriously? Yeah. I was not expecting this twist. (laughs) (laughs) So So that was the start of my business. I felt like... Yes, this is crazy. I know. I know. (laughs) I was like... Okay, this is just affirming all of these doubts that I had about myself. 
you know, this was just like, I, you know, I was thinking, yeah, I was like, am I too young? Am I not good enough? Like, am I too inexperienced? And I felt like this was, okay, this, this is a sign that I need to go applying for jobs like everyone else. And it was a moment where I was like, I realized that it wasn't about like the embarrassment of it mm-hmm. all, as you think that failures might be. It was, first of all, like feeling like I disappointed the person that I look up to most, which is my dad. Mm-hmm. And luckily he was, I mean, he was pissed, but he was really understanding, <laughs> like wasn't pissed at me, just like the situation. But it was really the, where I was feeling the most was that I had failed this idea that I felt was so important. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's not just the embarrassment of failure. It's the fact that this end result that I was working towards is not going to be solved. And then that was what I couldn't sit with the most. And that was what I just could not close my eyes at night on my pillow and think, this isn't it. Like this isn't how it ends. Mm -hmm. And so I went to the business school and they had an entrepreneurship program that they give $300 grants to and got $300, bought two SKUs of headbands from a supplier in North Dakota and grew up from there and never took outside money again. Wow. So that was the start, (laughs) but I'm kind of glad like in hindsight, I'm like, man, after I brushed myself off from that, yeah. a lot of the stuff that happened afterwards didn't seem that bad. Like I had kind of trained this resilience muscle early in the beginning. So where did you go from there? Because Jess, let's be honest, you are in college, <laughs> you are starting a business that includes manufacturing, it also includes social yeah. impact, you need a website, mm-hmm. you need to figure out how you distribute these to children in need. Mm-hmm. How did you do all of this? Because it's like making my head spin to think about all the things you had to figure out and bootstrap yeah. or Chipotle strap or dad Chipotle. strap. <laughs> like, whatever. Exactly. So how did you do all of this? Yeah. I mean, and like I said, it was not fire right out of the gate. Like I remember, you know, the first time I, an order, you know, notification popped on my phone <sighs> from someone I didn't know. And that was like the biggest win of my life. <sighs> I was like, Oh my gosh, someone out there purchased this, not because they know me, but but because they believe in what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So from there, you know, I got this small amount of headbands to get started, which really taught me. Sometimes when you have an idea, you think you need to have everything figured out and have like the perfect plan or the perfect website. But really, I mean, you can start small and, and grow from there. And, and then I worked with local hospitals. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. So I worked with Duke Children's UNC, and then they started telling the other hospitals about it. And I think because it was so unique, what we were doing, Mm -hmm. we're the only headband company that provides headbands to kids with cancer. It gave people a reason to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so with really no marketing dollars or anything, we started to build an audience. I actually, I remember, you know, I was still in college. So I had all these friends who were on other college campuses and I made them be campus ambassadors for Headbands of Hope. I was like, you guys are officially ambassadors. I know you didn't apply, but (laughs) this is what you're doing. And then now, you know, we have over like 700 brand ambassadors, but it started just by hounding my friends that I knew on other campuses. So little by little things came together 
in looking back now at how far we've come, it's crazy to think that it was just the summation of all these small steps and the just the grit to not give up. So now, I mean, you've donated over 200,000 headbands and climbing, yeah. which means yeah. you've sold just as many. Do you remember yeah. the first day that you got to go distribute these headbands? Tell me about that experience. I do. I did it and I just started distributing them before I was even really making sales mm-hmm. because I didn't want to wait that long. <laughs> I was like, I just we need to go out and do this. So the first donation that I ever did was at Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. And I remember the first room that I walked into and she had a cute teddy bear and we gave her teddy bear a headband. And it was a moment where like, I felt successful before I was even returning Mm -hmm. a profit. Mm -hmm. And because I was just seeing the results of like something that I created. But as time went on, you know, just being honest, it was harder to distinguish between like these achievements Mm -hmm. and my alignment. Mm -hmm. Because when you start a business that is, you know, for profit, also for purpose, the beginning part was just so fueled by this purpose that I felt like I was fulfilling. And then as it turns into a bigger business and you have staff and you have payroll and you, you know, have all these different moving parts that all of a sudden you're maybe feel like you're not as much of a creator as you Mm -hmm. are a CEO, it became harder to like remember that alignment and why I started, which is something that, you know, I try to keep close to me, Mm -hmm. but it's, I think that there's a misconception with people who are social entrepreneurs or doing something you know, making a living and making a difference that I'm just skipping through meadows with flower (laughs) crowns on. (laughs) I wish. Right? You know, it does get challenging to keep perspective. Oh, I appreciate that honesty so much. And I mean, there are so many days. It was so wonderful talking to Caitlin Crosby, both follow her and know her. And she was even just saying, she's like, you know, like you get kind of numb and Mm -hmm. you're building something and it's it's moving faster than you ever thought it could but your role continues to change and suddenly you're managing people and suddenly people are taking over your vision and and all of these things are happening and you're still making an impact but it's like I wish we could bottle up those feelings in those early days to remind Mm -hmm. us in these later days the impact and so let's kind of talk about what it was like, you know, starting this at the age of 19 and and identifying as the founder of Headbands of Hope and Mm -hmm. this successful young woman who made an impact and also an income and how that impacted your identity. Yeah, no, I think, you know, and kind of going off of what you said with like the early days and how your role, but also your energy kind of shifts. Mm -hmm. I look back and like being this, you know, college student that had this startup was such an exciting label to have. And I just, I was loving every second of it. And it just, the fact that I felt like I was building something gave me this fearless, relentless energy. Like I remember I had a summer internship 
in New York at the Today Show when right after I had like started my business and I would literally like chase Snooki down the hall and be like, you <laughs> like I was just and now thinking about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Or I would just walk down the street and see a women's boutique and, and walk in there with headbands in hand and ask for their buyer and like give my pitch like on spot because I was just so I just cared so much and I was so fearless. Mm-hmm. But I think then as the business started to pick up and as it became a little more recognizable and I do more public speaking and travel around being the founder, you know, it's kind of just become this part of who I am and in a really good way because I'm connected to something that is making such an impact Mm -hmm. and so great. But at the same time, it's really scary to think of like, what's next Mm -hmm. and who am I without this? Because I've never had gone and gotten another job. I've never done anything else. This has been me and people are like, Oh, you're the headband girl. I'm like, (laughs) sure. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I think that it's something that I've been thinking about recently of, you know, will I do something else? Or is this, is this my mark? Mm -hmm. Do you, do you ever feel like that? Oh, a million percent. And I think that there have definitely been times of identity crisis where it's like, I am more than a brand, you know, and I think yes. that I think it can get so the waters can get so muddied, especially when mm-hmm. you are out there trying to make a difference and and you are fueled by that difference that you're making in mm-hmm. other people's lives that you forget, like, how do I fuel myself? So my question, Jess, then would be who is Jess Ekstrom beyond Headbands of Hope? I pretty quirky. (laughs) And that's something like recently I've been really working on. I think in the beginning, I felt like I had to pretend Mm -hmm. to be this businesswoman who has it all together, who always knows the right thing to say, who's always on, who never makes inappropriate jokes. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I just felt like I was getting so exhausted from pretending to be someone who I thought I had to like Mm. rise to this occasion when I kind of started to realize people like me where I am, you know, the Mm. person who is obsessed with her dog and, you know, makes corny jokes all the time and and loves to go camping and can't walk in heels and like (laughs) stuff like that, that I've become slowly but surely more comfortable with that being myself and not feeling like I have to put on this persona of a successful businesswoman. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, you and you are so good at this, but like on social media, everywhere we look is just the the perfect lives. And oh, I had this business idea and, you know, and look at me now. And I think that it just paints this false narrative for people out there that makes them feel like they're less. I don't want to be that for people. And and you're someone who I've been following for a long time that has feels like you've given me permission to do Mm -hmm. that. Coco Chanel, Martha Stewart, Julia Child, you know, these amazing women and how successful they are. But do you know their real stories? Do you know their failures and how they overcame those obstacles in order to achieve their ultimate success? Are you interested in their business journey? 
If you like powerful women of Gold Digger, you should check out the Great Women of Business podcast from Parcast. Great Women of Business sent me a sneak peek of their trailer, and I cannot wait to tune in myself. Great Women in Business focuses on little-known details behind some of the biggest names. For example, how Coco Chanel was one of the first ever to understand branding as we know it today. Each episode takes you through the harrowing journeys and struggles that led these women to their greatness. And the best part? Great Women in Business discusses business principles each woman utilized to create an empire. The 12-episode series premiered on June 5th and posts each Tuesday, so you can get it now. Find episodes on Ruth Handler, the co-founder of Mattel, inventor of the Barbie doll, Brownie Wise, Martha Stewart, and more. Visit Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts and search for Great Women of Business. Again, that's Great Women of Business. Or visit parcast.com slash business to start listening. That's parcast, P-A-R-C-A-S-T dot com slash business and listen to this great new show. Cheers to women in business, eh? I think it is probably one of the biggest challenges because Mm -hmm. especially when you're young and you're starting it and you see all these people that are further down the road than you and you say, well, what do they have? And honestly, Mm -hmm. I think it's part of like keeping up with the Joneses in a sense. And it's like, what if I don't want to be like the Joneses? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's hard. And, you know, I still battle this because like we, I just did a TV interview a few weeks ago and And I told them, I was like, I don't wear business suits. Like, I will wear a nice pair of jeans, which is a stretch. No hold on. Yeah, Yeah, like I just don't. And and then, of course, I'm on screen with a guy in a business suit who is also a marketing expert. And you start to question, like, like, should I have done that? Like, you know, and it's just funny. I think as women, too, we just overthink things. And so one thing that I love about you is that, you're not afraid to say where you've royally messed up. So can you share any stories where you were like, I'm done. This is it. I'm out. I'm going to go apply at a job at Chipotle. And my whole story is going to come full circle. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's been quite a few times. Let's see. Our warehouse has gotten struck by lightning (gasps) twice. (laughs) (laughs) One time I like invested all of the money that I made into going to a trade show in hopes that like stores would come purchase our product to like be carried in their locations and a snowstorm hit (gasps) and no buyers showed up. Like all the flights incoming flights were canceled. So I was out all that money and my pride and (laughs) I've ordered like tens of thousands of the wrong hang tags before. (laughs) I mean, it, the list, it goes on and on and on. And, you know, and sometimes like my staff has messed up too. Mm -hmm. And the thing is when my staff messes up, I'm never mad at them because it meant that they were doing something Mm -hmm. like, and we learn from it, but I'm like, why can't I treat myself with that same kind of empathy? You know? Ugh, that like struck me deep for real. Girlfriend. Yeah. You're crazy. I mean, that's legit. (laughs) Like action, imperfect action is better than standing Mm -hmm. still. Yeah. Like I'd rather have dirty sneakers than clean ones. Like I'd rather have something that I can look back and see, look what I've done and not look what I want to do one day. And so I think that one, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is that 
living like a vibrant and meaningful life is supposed to be messy Mm -hmm. and just accepting that that's just all a part of the process. It's all in our narrative. It's in our story. And it's just about, you know, how we interpret it because sometimes we can't control just the random stuff that happens to us that, you know, didn't go as planned or a contract falls through. But I think we can control the meaning we assign it in our lives and like where we go from there. And I'm just tired of wasting so much energy, like on things that I can't control and, and being mad about stuff that's in the past, that's, I need to just like move on from. So yeah, I think I'm just trying to have a better tale that I tell myself, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. So one thing that I'm curious about, and I know that our listeners are curious too, is what kind of advice Mm -hmm. would you give someone that wanted to tie some sort of mission into their business? There are so many different ways that you can do this, whether you donate a percentage of your profits or do a one for one like you do. Do you have any good advice for us? Yeah, definitely. I think that and to speak on just mission driven businesses, I feel like we're moving towards a world that there's not going to be social entrepreneurship. It's just entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I think it's not going to be a trend anymore. I think there was a time where having a cause or percentage of sales or one for one was like a marketing mm-hmm. angle or a trend or a unique part about your business. And I don't think that it's going to be a trend, I think it's going to be an expectation of all businesses if they're doing their part. And it doesn't need to be something that's so front and center, like a percentage of sales or a one-for-one model. But I think every single business has to appeal to something greater than just a profit. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't just, you know, come to marketing or consumer behavior. It's also about how people show Mm -hmm. up to work and their staffing. Like, I love that my staff is just so energized every day because they can connect everything to something greater. And I think that there's a lot of different ways that people can do this within a business. Like if you have a business that's already running, is there a way that you can put 15% of what you do every day, whether you're doing consulting or whether you're a graphic designer, 15% of your labor and your work towards some something that or something or someone that can't afford it, whether that's doing it for schools or nonprofits. I've seen that happen a lot, which is wonderful because you're still doing your work, but you're providing value to someone who might not be able to meet where you're at right now mm-hmm. financially. One for one, I think is like what we do with headbands and Tom shoes. It's wonderful, but it's also a whole other operational commitment to have tangible product And, you know, we donate to hospitals, so we have to, you know, worry about shipping and things like that. So it's great, but also being realistic about having your product be something that's easy to ship and store and manage and that doesn't have, you know, a shelf life that you can easily send out to others. And then percentage of sales is a great one too, working something within your margins that you can work partner with a nonprofit or something that's closely aligned to what your business model is. But another way that I think sometimes goes overlooked is like the opportunity that you give from your Mm -hmm. business. 
So whether that's the kind of people that you hire, whether, you know, that's who's making your product, where it's made, you know, who are the people behind that, or it's what can your business opportunity, can your company provide to local communities? Can you provide some kind of free value for people that are there, whether that's coming, you know, to do learn about lectures or do like fitness classes. There's a lot of different ways that you can weave in social impact into your business without being having like a blaring cause across your homepage. Oh, I love all of that, Jess. Thanks for bringing that down because there are so many other ways. And I think that we've grown accustomed to seeing certain models more than others. That was so insightful. So let's talk about your ambassador program because you, I mean, that is almost like another business in and of itself that requires a team and coordination and communication and marketing materials. How did that get started and how has it evolved? Yeah. So our ambassador team is called Headband Heroes and it really stemmed from people wanting to help, learning about what we're doing and saying, how can I get involved? Which is amazing because I mean, like you were saying, everyone is touched by Mm -hmm. cancer in some way. And I think that people connect so much with what we're doing on like a visual sense because they can see the pictures Mm -hmm. of people getting headbands and realize that this small gesture can make such a big impact. So this is just like our army of volunteers who help anywhere from donating headbands to hospitals to working with like bloggers, influencers as a way to spread the word about what we're doing. And they have a bunch of different activities like those where they get different points for each activity. And then they submit their points in exchange for product so they can get free fun product along the way. But it's also, especially for some of like the younger girls who are part of it, it's a great professional Mm -hmm. experience for them and also as a way to involve themselves in some kind of service. And just learn a little bit more about, you know, what it means to start a business and how to, you know, get the word out about what you're doing and time management and, and things like that. So yeah, it started with just a couple friends at different schools and they referred other people and it's just grown word of mouth from there. And yeah, we have a, a Headband Hero director, but we also have like a, we developed a portal where the women can come on and communicate with each other, show pictures of different donations that they've done. And you can also submit and cash in your points virtually. Like wow, that. that is so cool. I just think of you, Jess, the college student, like figuring all of this out and just looking at how much it has grown. What has been one of your favorite moments in this entire journey? Oh, man, there's been so many cool moments, but like some that one that really sticks out to me, I think isn't one of my favorite moments, but it's the one that I think Mm -hmm. about the most. It was a few years ago, and I was going to this trade show, and I was just like off my rocker, Jenna. (laughs) I was just so stressed out. I was just not being nice. I I was worried about these hang tags that were supposed to be there. They weren't there. And it was just like I had just lost it. And I was on the phone. It was... and. It was a week before that, that I went to the children's hospital at UNC and I met this girl named Taylor and she picked out this awesome purple and green headband and we, she was 15 and we 
were talking about school and boys and everything. And I remember she was telling me that she was feeling really down because she couldn't go to prom. And all of her friends that she was seeing on social media were going to prom. And I said, you know, when I get back from Atlanta, which is where the trade show was, I'll come back and we'll have our own prom. And we'll get dressed up. We'll take pictures. It'll be great. So she adds me on Facebook so we can keep in touch. And then I remember I was like coming through the Atlanta airport and I was on the phone with this tag company, (laughs) you know, thinking like my world was falling apart. And I got call waiting from an unknown number. And I switch over the phone thinking, you know, it's something at the trade show or another problem or something. And I switch over. I'm like, hello. And it was Taylor's mom. And she was calling to tell me that, that Taylor had passed Mm. away and that she wanted those same purple and green headbands Mm. for every single female in her family to wear to her service the next day, because that's how much Taylor loved her headband. It makes me cry. Like, I can't say, oh, I just, it was this moment where I just remember standing in the airport and like everything stopped. Mm -hmm. It was like my life was in fast forward and someone just hit the pause button for me, which I should have hit a long time ago because I realized that I had just been totally out of alignment for a while and was wondering why I wasn't happy, but was chasing all these Mm -hmm. achievements. And it was just this time where I just really got, it was like, it felt like the weight of an anchor just brought me back down to to why I started this in the first place. So I keep a file now on my computer of like all these letters and pictures and stuff that we get from the kids that I can go in and kind of look at whenever I'm like feeling that way. And then because of Taylor, we, for our five-year anniversary last year, we hosted a prom at the children's hospital for all the kids there. So we had over a hundred patients out there dancing the night away, making flower Mm. crowns, eating food, taking pictures in a photo booth. I mean, we're continuing to do that every year. So that's something that I just think about all the time and just is a clear reminder of why I started this in the first place, because it can just get so blurry at times. Oh, so much. Like all choked up over here, yeah. girl. Yeah. That, that's just, no, but that's just so meaningful. And I feel like there are so many moments yeah. in our lives that like we are, our heads are so down that we don't even lift our eyes to see like what's mm-hmm. going on, you know? Like hang tags don't matter. They just don't matter, you know? Exactly. I know. I know. It's just, and it, I catch myself like going into these crisis modes Mm -hmm. over nothing. And so I've just tried to have a healthier relationship with my business and keeping in mind like this, just this clear purpose, because if if I'm not feeling that, if I'm not enjoying it, then what's the point of all of this, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I really want, like, that's, been my goal the past couple of years is to really just enjoy the process and keep those kids and the people that we benefit close to my heart and not let that stray too far. So I'm curious, like, what is next? Like, what are you currently dreaming about? What are you excited about? I feel like you have accomplished so much and you've scaled so much and you've done so much. Like, what is it that like gets you out of bed in the morning these days? Man, I really like new things. Like I love novelty. And so I love having the chance to be like an entrepreneur within Headbands of Hope. So we actually haven't told anyone this yet. Exclusive gold digger. uh, Yeah. 
<laughs> expect soon to have a virtual reality component on the website where you can actually try headbands on through your computer, kind of like a Snapchat filter without actually Love buying it to see what you like. So I'm really excited for that. But then outside of that, I've found this whole other love and passion with speaking and doing some of this thought leadership stuff. So I travel around to campuses, companies, conferences, and speak on my story with Headbands of Hope, but also that level of transparency we were talking about before and just kind of making people feel like they're exactly where they need to be because I know we can all we all need to be told that every once in a while so I'm really loving exploring that part of my life and in the middle of writing a book which I'm really excited about so stay tuned for that but other than that it's a question mark and I think you know I'm at a place with headbands of hope where I've hired people who are a lot more competent than myself and you know and so a lot of this is handled and so I'm kind of like, I feel like I'm the annoying mom knocking on the door and being like, how's it going in there? Like, and they're like, we're good, you know? And so I think that this question mark of like, what's next is something that is exciting to explore, but also, also a little bit, a little bit scary, but I'm looking forward oh, I cannot to wait to watch and see what happens next. <laughs> so I want to go yeah, back we'll to your dad for a moment. What do you think your dad yeah. thinks of all of this now? <laughs> well, I paid him back if that's what you're wondering. <laughs> what I was wondering. <laughs> oh my gosh. So my dad actually, let me tell you about my dad. This is hilarious. So him and my mom, well, my dad had this business idea back in the day. And it's funny, it was like this in the 90s, you know, he was managing health clubs and he started this email marketing service of like, you can send different emails to different members based on how many times like they went to the gym. And so it was really the beginning of targeted like mm-hmm. email marketing. I like him. And I'm like, dad, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you don't even know how to answer the phone when I call you. Like, how did you, how did you come up with Like, he's like not a tech person at all, but he just, you know, really created what he wished existed, which is what I feel entrepreneurship is. And he converted our bathroom at the house into an office. The bathroom? Um, quit his day job. Literally the bathroom. Yeah, it was. that was where <laughs> he was at. And my mom was like, you know, can I make you a sandwich? She saw how hard he was working. Like, can I get you some coffee? And what can I do to help? And he was like, can you do customer service for me? So she, for 10 years, did customer service for this business that he started, which I always laugh at. She's like, I just asked if you wanted a sandwich. (laughs) But then about two and a half years ago, my dad's company got acquired and they sold everything that they owned, our house, literally everything bought an RV and now they are oh, park rangers. Oh my god. <laughs> that could be a book in it itself so like for thing. real. <laughs> I know. I laughed so hard and they started an Instagram and which I helped them with and it's just like the funniest thing the people that they meet their little uniforms and they're just living their best life. But my dad and my mom are still so super supportive of Headbands of Hope. They asked me if I they wanted me to get the RV wrapped in the Headbands of Hope logo. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that one for now. I don't think that's my um, ideal audience, but, but yeah, thanks. 
I know, I know. And my mom keeps like an inventory of headbands in the RV and just like hands them out to people. I'm like, mom, they're supposed to buy them. Like this is, <laughs> this is like what the business is. Like they need to go buy them. But no, they're great. They're super supportive. And it's just been really, I feel like I've been so fortunate to be a part of a family that's entrepreneurial because it was something that I saw so close. So maybe it wasn't so scary for me to take that leap because I saw it firsthand. And so I hope that I can be that person for someone else that makes it not so scary. I'm like visualizing your parents and it's just lighting my world up. (laughs) I will send you a picture of their little park ranger outfits. We should should link to their Instagram in the show notes. That's amazing. Oh, oh my gosh. My mom just hit a hundred followers and she was freaking out. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. So where can everybody find you, connect with you, look at Headbands of Hope, purchase a headband so that we can give out more to the most deserving people that we know? That would be great. If you want to go to headbandsofhope.com, that's where you can purchase. And you can also inquire about being a headband hero if you would like to do that. Instagram at headbandsofhope and my personal Instagram at jess underscore ekstrom. And I would love to see you guys. Having people like Jess on the show is just so inspiring. And when I started this whole thing, it just never seemed like it was possible to sit down and just have these conversations in such an honest way. And so Jess, thank you just for showing up and for wanting to just share the real stuff. Because like we both said, overnight success does not exist. It is so much work. And so it is just a joy to get to see the work that you're doing and the impact you're making. Likewise, same to you. And I, I so appreciate you sharing your platform with oh, me to girl, tell my story. It is a good story. Now I'm just visualizing your dad in his bathroom <laughs> office. <laughs> oh, what an episode. Jess is such an amazing guest. And what I love about Jess is that she doesn't shy away from the conflicts. I think so often we believe the things that are unqualifying ourselves are actually our true qualifiers. And and what I love is that she sheds a light on what this real journey looks like and how you can be so passionate and yet you can get sucked into this identity crisis of who you are beyond what you've built. I am just so thankful for the way that Jess shared different ways that we can make an impact through using our passions to better the world and how she shared her story so boldly that yes, you can make a difference and make an income. I also just love the story about how she bootstrapped this baby since the age of 19, proving that you are never too young to start chasing your dreams. Before we sign off today, I want to share this week's review of the week from Jessica Chavez. It says, best business and marketing show. I started listening to The Gold Digger after taking Jenna's What's Your Secret Sauce quiz. The recommendations according to my secret sauce were so on point. I'm glad I'm here. I'm finding new content that I'd missed before and I'm loving the new content she puts out every single week. Her interviews are filled with such great and honest information. Jenna is an inspiration for every entrepreneur out there. This is a show you can't miss. If you haven't taken the Secret Sauce Quiz yet, head to secretsaucequiz.com and I will share with you what it is that sets you apart so that you can start to own your awesome. Before I sign off, I want to let you know that 
Jess was so amazing and so generous that she is offering 10% off all of her headbands for Gold Digger podcast listeners. Just type in the code Gold Digger to get 10% off of your purchase and to help support Jess's mission. I am so excited to place a giant order. You guys, these headbands are so stinking cute and you just got to go check it out. So head to headbandsofhope.com and let's support Jess and her dreams. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And I am so, so grateful to get to share these stories with you every single week. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.